Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always, it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. Well, today I plan to go a little wider and a little deeper into the topic of the sharing economy. We might think of Uber and Airbnb potentially as a small minority of those making relatively significant waves in this sector. However, we shall see that there are others emerging as well, and they could offer us both a threat and also an opportunity, or even just a helping hand along the way too. So let's get our teeth into the digital, collaborative, sharing, gig economy right now. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter. Well, let's start with uh, a definition, and a good place to start would be the Oxford English Dictionary, which um, defines the sharing economy as an economic system in which assets or services are shared between private individuals, either for free or for a fee, typically by means of the internet. And um, the One Space blog goes on to add a little bit more colour to the definition, I think, when it elaborates with traditionally characterized as a peer-to-peer resource, sorry, resource network, this model is most likely to be used when the price of an asset is high and the asset is underutilized or is operating at idle capacity. So if we just break down the definition in the sort of elaboration piece, um, there's a couple of key elements, I think, that come out which are worth uh, wider explanation or wider focus. And, uh, and probably useful to highlight. For example, it's an economic system. In other words, trading in both assets and services. It's defined as being between individuals. So a kind of a peer-to-peer model, if you like. Uh, by means of the internet, which includes both mobile internet and apps. And I think actually, probably the emergence of the mobile internet and apps is what's seen it explode most recently. And it helps to increase the uh, the usage of underutilized assets and services. So there's plenty of opportunity for confusion and interchangeability uh, of, of terminology with, say, the collaborative economy, which is pretty much a, a direct translation. So if you hear collaborative economy or sharing economy, they're pretty much the same thing. But equally, there's also the digital economy which could include other non-peer-to-peer ecosystems such as Expedia, the travel site, and Money Supermarket, the financial services comparison site, for example. And then, of course, we have the gig economy, which is a subset of the sharing economy, centered around services, probably more so than assets. We'll name-check a couple of others later on, but here are some of the so-called poster children of the sharing economy that could help to explain it a little bit better perhaps. 
have to start probably with Airbnb, particularly as property <laughs> investors as we are. Airbnb is an online platform and an app that brings together property owners with excess space together with guests looking for short stays in exchange for a fee made through the platform. You, you may have used it yourself. An alternative could be booking.com, for example. Then we have Uber, which is an online platform and an app that brings together car drivers and passengers looking to get from A to B, again, with payment through the app. There's Lyft and there's a couple of other um, uh, alternatives as well now, but Uber's by far the biggest. And then we have TaskRabbit, which is uh, another online platform that brings together odd job people with those that need tasks completing. And TaskRabbit has actually been taken over by IKEA. Uh, so it's made waves in that sense. I think also it's making waves because I couldn't get onto its website when I was doing some research for the for this particular episode. So um, I think they've had a data breach. So it's the curse of the Property Voice podcast, perhaps, which has struck them. Uh, let's hope they recover from that. But um, they were a poster child, certainly before that. And, and what is helping to enable and fuel the growth of the sharing economy are a couple of factors. And um, I've kind of identified a few, if you like. The first being is convenience. So you've got apps in the palm of your hand, literally with a smartphone. The flexibility to set open for business hours on the seller side matched to specific demand slots on the buyer side. And you get this meeting of minds, obviously, a meeting of needs between the two sides. Low regulation, that's changing, but certainly, um, you know, the, the regulators are having you know, are playing catch up to the technological advances, as we shall hear. And then low barriers to entry uh, with tumbling the tumbling cost of Internet and mobile delivery, of course, uh, eliminating the need for large physical presence or even a large marketing budget for us. I mean, I'm not saying that the likes of Uber and Airbnb have low marketing budgets. I'm saying from our point of view we can leverage the uh, marketing budgets and the scale of some of these larger uh, platforms and operators. And, you know, some of the other elements, if you like, of the sharing economy are value, convenience, community and trust I've put together and, uh, and regulation. So let's just talk a little bit about those, shall we? So first of all, value. Um, well, buying and maintaining high ticket items such as property and cars is an expensive business, as I'm sure you're very well aware of. But but why buy when you can rent? Well, now, if we take that concept to the nth degree, we might start to understand that some people will probably be looking for even smaller consumption units in the future. So we can maybe forget about uh, renting property or leasing a car for years on, it, on end or at a time. How about by the day instead? Rent by the day is far far less of a financial commitment, of course, uh, clearly, and uh, and can also be aligned to our planned usage. So if we're not planning to be somewhere for a very long period of time. Now, I know that people's homes, we possibly do plan to be uh, staying in them for, for a reasonable period of time. But with the average tenancy period about 15 months, it's not actually super long, that's for sure. And I think you're starting to see, you know, more nomadic uh, behavior in certain quarters of, uh, of society, at least, which might uh, bring that average down, perhaps, in, uh, in certain respects. Second of all, we've got convenience. It's what you want, when you want it, and ordered in the simplest way possible. Again, as I mentioned, from the palm of your hand. People can now order a takeaway from an app on their smartphone 
on the train home to be delivered for when they arrive. Of course, if we translate that into the rental market, what could it mean in the future? I'm not saying that all our tenancies will become by-the-night Airbnb-style stopovers, just that the way in which our tenants expect to find services and things is likely to be heavily influenced by these new platforms. And that's my key message here, really. Community and trust. Well, one of the things actually I like the most about Airbnb is the community element. And two things really do stand out for me here. Uh, The first is the ID verification process that you go through, which means that we know who we're letting into our property and vice versa. And then the second element is the rating system, of course, which, when correctly policed, is a very powerful form of social proof that can literally make or break our reputation. So as landlord investors, we absolutely do want to know who is staying in our properties. And so with a little adaptation, perhaps connecting a social media account and and a password scan, it could make referencing, tenant referencing and right to rent checks so much more easy to undertake by adopting some of the systems that are already in place in places like Airbnb, for example. Then, of course, we've got the rating system, which allows people to, to literally rate one another openly, which you know definitely helps to keep us all honest. And just imagine for a moment, I want you to have a think about this. If your former tenants were rating you for responsiveness to repairs, the standard of your property, and your general customer service, how would you fare, really? Well, as Will from Home Renter shared with us last time, this type of system is coming very soon. So perhaps it's time to take a fresh look at the tenant is our customer motto. Finally, regulation. One of the reasons why Uber became so massive so quickly was because, or even it became Uber so quickly, yeah, play on words, I know, was uh, because it adopted in stealth mode. Of course, it flew below, below the radar of licensed taxi operators and, and managed to scale globally in relatively short period of time. Admittedly, with some deep-pocketed financial backers not necessarily open to you and me. However, this also made it an established and highly valued business by its consumers, who, who mostly loved it. So when the regulators started to wake up and try to legislate or regulate what was happening, Uber already had a solid base to defend. And some would argue that they defended their base a little too aggressively, but they still ran faster than the regulators could catch up with. And that's the big takeaway here, really. Those that run the fastest will then be the ones most likely to benefit once the regulators catch up and start to tighten up. They will outpace regulation, and then when the regulation um, comes in, um, you know, playing catch-up, it will then act as a barrier to entry to subsequent new entrants. Well, probably. The sharing economy is, is also evolving in itself. For example, I mentioned right at the start that one of the characteristics of the market was a peer-to-peer element. However, some B2C or business-to-consumer entrants are starting to make some real waves as well. Think of WeWork, Zipcar, Netflix and Spotify, for example. In other words, digital disruption is coming. Whether it comes from community or peer-to-peer platforms such as Airbnb and Uber, or from microservice providers such as Fiverr and Upwork, 
or from disintermediated marketplaces, that's quite a mouthful, uh, like Expedia and Money Supermarket. In other words, the boundaries are blurring and will continue to do so. And this means the future is unpredictable and likely to change quite a bit as well. One other thing I stumbled across while I was doing the research was this, uh, was, a, was a report by Schroders. And, um, and amongst the report is the, uh, the links in the show notes if you, if you wanted to ha- have a look at it. Several industries were listed as being ripe for expansion using some of the, the broader definitions of the digital sharing economy many of which could have a direct or indirect uh, uh, effect on us as property investors and developers. And here are some examples just to prove the point. Accommodation, I've already mentioned Airbnb, but it's certainly uh, expanding and causing other people to, to look closely into that type of business model. Parking, Just Park, is an example of that. And I've used that quite regularly myself. And just imagine renting out your driveway as an extra revenue stream. With storage, we've got new operators like Share My Storage, which, you know, so apart just part, you can rent your driving space. Well, Share My Storage, you can rent your garage. With finance and payments, we've got Lend Invest. And that's a bit of a, a cue to something that's coming up on a, a later episode of the, of the podcast. But Lend Invest is a peer-to-peer lending platform. And we've got Revolut. Now, Revolut's not peer-to-peer as such, but... It allows us to um, take take down the banks, if you like, with uh, one card that can be used right right across the world for for payments, amongst other things. As also transferwise, it's not in the show notes, but I use transferwise quite a lot now for international payments, and it um, it reduces the cost, fixes exchange rates, etc. But I do digress. Then we have insurance, and um, not least of which related to property, we have a, a player called Reposit. I'm I'm not really a big fan of deposits. Um, I don't I don't think they're particularly helpful. So uh, insurance-based uh, services like Reposit could be you know one answer to that particular conundrum. And then we've got tasks and gigs as they're called. Uh, Task Rabbit I've already mentioned, but uh, people per hour I mentioned uh, Upwork earlier, but people per hour is another gig-based uh, uh, service providing platform that we can we can buy in services as we need them. Then we have delivery services such as any van, and um, the concept of that is that uh, imagine a, a, a delivery vehicle goes from A to B and drops off the load at point B and then returns empty. Well, the idea of any van is that they can actually rent out the space on the way back as well, so you can possibly get it for a little bit less because um, otherwise it would be dead time, and I've used that service to move uh, furniture around the country, for example. But in addition to the Schroeder's report, here's a couple more from me, and perhaps more related to uh, to our, our particular industry. Some of those are, actually, but uh, here's some other ones. So, estate agency, there's um, the Settled, which is a marketplace which helps to take away the whole gazumping, gazundering, and another gazunder something or other, I can't remember right now. But uh, you might want to check out Settled. And with lettings agency, generally speaking, we've got some of our recent guests, such as UPAD, Ask Porter and Home Renter, all making a slightly different um, twist or play into the letting agency space. And then with conveyancing and and valuations, um, I'm really seeing something around blockchain technology here, which could improve property record data, title record information, such as at land registry, and uh, an alternative or trusted payments using cryptocurrencies. 
I know cryptocurrencies are getting a bit of a beating at the moment in terms of the press, but um, you know, if you've got a smart contract on a blockchain, which is, you know, forever verified by, uh, again, a peer-to-peer community, then it can actually make uh, title transfers smoother and instant, in fact. But some of those will perhaps be for another day. I'll whet your appetite there because um, one or two of those points I will be picking up in a future episode for sure. But there you go. It's Whilst not a, exactly a, a who's who of the sharing economy, there's some decent signposting and name checking I'm sure you'll find. And uh, before I close for today, um, just wanted to flag up one or two extra points. Uh, through my research, I did come across some of the uh, some of the odd you know statistics that stood out or even surprised me a little. Uh, I shared one last time out with Will about how many people are aware of the sharing economy. But for example, here, the largest segments that seem to use the sharing economy, uh, certainly the most are millennials. Uh, those with medium to high incomes and potentially families with younger children at home and not necessarily meeting all three of those criteria um, just you know kind of one one or two of those uh, categories if you like of millennial medium to high income and uh, having younger children at home and 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 um, some of the groups are you know not necessarily excluded it's uh, it's just where the greatest concentration lies. That's for sure. I don't fall necessarily into those any of those particular categories, but I'm a user of the sharing economy. That's just an example. But if we just step back for a moment and look through a different lens, who are our target tenants? Are they likely to fall into one or more of these groups of younger, more affluent singles, couples, and young families? Well, if so. You might want to keep tabs on what changes are coming about in the sharing and digital economy more generally, I would suggest. The landscape is changing and it's changing very rapidly. So before we know it, we might start to see new business models, new services, new competitors, new markets, new channels and whole new industries spring up around us, as we have already, in fact. Right, I'm off to book a flight on Expedia, some accommodation on Airbnb, a short stay parking space near the airport with Just Park, and make sure I've packed my Revolut card. This is real, you know. <laughs> okay, the show notes are going to be over the website, thepropertyvoice.net, and if you want to talk about anything from today's show, receive an introduction into any of my guests, or just talk about property investing more generally. As I say each and every week, somebody wrote to me, by the way, recently say, you say that every week, I know I decided to contact you, and I did respond personally. So you can email me, podcast at thepropertyvoice.net, if you've been itching or just a little bit hesitant to do so, I'd be more than happy to hear from you. But once again, all I want to say uh, for now is thanks very much for listening to, to the Property Voice podcast. And until next time, it's ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.